All right, guys. Uh, Ephesians 4. <clears throat> we didn't like announce there's no one trust this week, did we? <laughs> yeah, okay, good. Uh, Ephesians 4, verse 1. Uh, let's read a few verses in Ephesians chapter <clears throat> 4. Therefore I, the prisoner in the Lord, exhort you to walk worthy of the calling with which you have been called. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, being diligent to keep or to preserve the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you are also called, and one hope you are calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. Let's pray. And Father, we just come to you this morning. Just acknowledging our, our weakness, our frailty, we look to you just as our, as our Lord, as our Father, as our King. And we ask for, for wisdom, for humility, for grace today, for this week, the rest of the week, or the rest of this year and beyond. That we would be men who follow these commands to be leaders, men who are humble, who are teachable, who are full of grace and truth. Lord, to continue to lead those in your flock and to lead our families and to lead others in the community, wherever you may have us. Lord, may we just grow in these things, we pray. All this in your name. Amen. Um, <clears throat> again, last week we talked about uh, something a little somewhat controversial, the uh, Enneagram. Uh, again, I mentioned this book, and we have a couple of copies. This is this is just what it looks like. Enneagram theology. Is it Christian? It's a it's a dissertation basically. It reads if you've ever read a dissertation, it uh, the beginning of it reads like a dissertation, and then um, uh, you might say, man, this is kind of like technical and kind of a lot of heady and a ton of uh, um, a ton of notes. Like there's every page has like ton of footnotes, like tons and tons of footnotes where he gives more quotes and stuff. Um, <clears throat> but uh, that's why, because it's a, it's basically a dissertation that was edited into a book. Um, it's really helpful though. It's still really readable, even though it's a, it's a dissertation. Um, he does a good job of going through everything we talked about that was wrong with the Enneagram and how it's been used how it is being used and promoted by many today in Christian circles to be basically the next big thing next to the Bible. Um, so that's in there. Uh, and then also, if you don't have this book or booklet, I'd pick it up, buy it. We have a couple of copies. Uh, I don't know, they're like four bucks or something. From Pride to Humility, we're talking about this a little bit today as far as humility. From Pride to Humility from Stuart Scott, an excellent, <clears throat> excellent. Uh, a resource. <clears throat> but you have your notes there. 
Um, and uh, figured I'm teaching one more week. Lord, as far as I know, uh, Lord willing, Eric will be back um, next week, and uh, uh, we'll finish up in in May as we normally do. Uh, we'll go through the month of May and uh, the last couple of weeks again, as I mentioned in the last few emails. We'll um, uh, we'll take we'll let you guys take some turns teaching. Uh, we'll figure that some of those details out later once Eric. Um, kind of gets back, but uh, um, uh, but anyway, um, figured I have one more week. What's something I wanted to bring you guys? I asked a few people just for some <clears throat> for their thoughts and some counsel, and I just kind of settled on this on this issue of uh, threats to the bond of peace. We just read that in Ephesians chapter four. Um, what does that mean? And really, <clears throat> the the idea is we are, we're all different men. We all may think differently on certain things. We all may enjoy and like <clears throat> different things. Uh, we're all not going to be, um, you know, similar in every aspect to every point of doctrine. Even we may disagree uh, on different issues of theology. We may have different viewpoints on culture, uh, political issues in the church. Uh, parenting practices and other things we may disagree on you know this a multitude of other things we may have different understandings and thoughts on again partnering with other churches with other other ministries other understandings and philosophy of ministry and discipleship practices and stuff but in spite of those different opinions um at being in the church being in a local church means uh more than just trying to promote my own viewpoint or my understanding of something we need to get beyond that and help and be a part of what paul says in ephesians 4 verse 3 of um, working towards the unity of peace, uh, the unity of the spirit, the bond of peace. Now, what's interesting there, what Paul says in, in Ephesians 4, 3, he does not say that we create unity or we make unity. What's he saying? We preserve or we keep the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. Right? We don't make it. <clears throat> We're not creating it. <clears throat> We're not making unique spaces to make peace happen or to make unity happen. We are preserving it and keeping it among each other. How are we united? Yeah, we're united in Christ. And what does that mean? Flesh that out. We're united in Christ. Amen. What does that mean then? Okay, we're new creations. Okay. Okay, we're regenerate, we're new creations. So therefore, what, Phil? All the things that are more consequence of being fallen and, and, and being in enmity with God, mm -hmm. like strife, jealousy, good, yeah. bitterness, 
Yeah. All those have been torn down. Good. And even all the like physical externals have been like torn down. Mm-hmm. That we're all one yeah. in Christ, and there's Good. no dividing wall. Good. Yeah, we're all one in Christ. There's no dividing wall. All <clears throat> physical barriers, uh, all spiritual, cultural barriers are all broken down. There's there's no <clears throat> division. <clears throat> excuse me between who we are now in Christ. Again, Jew and Gentile, we're all one. We're united. All cultural backgrounds, those things don't matter. We're all now in Christ, united in Christ around the things of Christ. We're in the same mind in regards to the gospel, around things like sound doctrine, around things like scripture. And I wanted to bring this up to just us as men. Um because as men, we are called, as this is in trust, men's leadership training, we're called as men to lead. Uh, we are called as men to lead our homes, to lead the church in, in um, different ways. We're called to, to lead others in the community. Um, our workplaces, maybe, we are leaders. <clears throat> but you know, primarily in our homes and in the church, <clears throat> um, is this is where a lot of this will be played out, but even within the community context, as we are united in Christ, as we are united together in a church, that will definitely come out in our workplaces and other aspects of uh, how we are living. But I think we as men, we have the great capacity to either help unity be preserved in the church, or we have the great capacity of just utterly destroying it if we want to. By things like what Phil mentioned, our jealousy, uh, strife, <clears throat> pride, um, the the desire to um, have our own way, um, you know, multiple different contexts, uh, we can we can destroy the unity of the church real quick. Uh, sure, you know the ladies um, ladies prayer prayer study prayer time. Which is really a gossip session can talk can really destroy a church as well, but it's primarily I think going to be the men. I think it's going to be the men who are leading their homes or not leading their homes, uh, shepherding their homes and their their wife, their kids that they have them um, to love the church, to be united around the things of the church, or to complain about the church and have disunity and strife and bitterness and jealousy and other things rise up in the hearts of their kids and their, and their spouse. And what will that do to the church? I mean, that just creates dissension and frustration and factions and that's not fair. And how dare they think that and talk that way or whatever. <clears throat> right. So it's, it's us as men. Um, I think we're uh, this, the unity of the church Kind of rests on our shoulders now obviously every single person is responsible for their own sin their own issues right not saying that but <clears throat> i think men we are the ones who set that example especially in our homes right um in whatever context we're in we're not gossiping to others and slandering the church behind the church's back behind other people's back uh, other people's backs we're not doing that <clears throat> we're seeking to keep to preserve the unity that God has given to us, that why would we want to destroy the thing that God has given to us and destroy the thing Christ has died for?
right? So when Paul says here we want to keep the unity of the peace, uh, unity of the spirit, excuse me, the bond of peace, um, that's a that's an important aspect of our Christian life. And so one thing that uh, Pastor Eric has done and what he did 16, 16 or so years ago, um, is that when we were preparing to come up the to corner to come up the Jackson and Plant Cornerstone Church, but at that point we didn't know what the church would be called. Uh, we had a lot of names thrown around. Uh, one of the names was the Church of Repentant Sinners. Uh, that was the top on the list, but didn't make didn't make the final cut. Um, but we, as a as a core team, uh, the eleven of us that met together, um, it was ten, and then. Uh, Somebody decided to, you know, to get engaged. So uh, <clears throat> the fiance to come on board, Chris Wachinski, <clears throat> uh, which you know we allowed, we allowed him to come on board. If you guys remember him, um, the eleven of us would meet once a week um, before we moved up here, um, and then once a week after we moved here as a whole team, and then the, the guys would get together once a week, which we still do um, as leaders, and then the ladies would get together once a week, which. No, it's like 50 kids in between all, all the leaders. We, it's not really pop, uh, possible anymore. Um, what, what, what Eric did, um, he spent multiple times going through this. He had a list, and, I, um, and basically that's what I did. I told him I stole from his list, and tweaked it a little bit, kind of edited it, changed it a little bit. Um, he had it in a, in a different format. But basically going through what are the things that would threaten the unity of like our core team in the church? What would threaten the unity of the church in our small little church plant? What would do that? Um, and we spent multiple weeks um, going through that before we moved and after we moved. Um, and we've looked at it a few other times since then. Um, and it's been one of the most helpful things, I think, for us uh, as a foundational um, kind of study. And so kind of tweaked some of that that he had, he had written um, and kind of put out a while ago. Um, so what are some of the things that would hinder the unity of, of the spirit within the church? And obviously the first one there is pride, which is why I mentioned that book, uh, Humility by Stuart Scott. Pride. <clears throat> um, a, de- a good definition of pride, this is from Stuart Scott. It's, a, it's the, the mindset of self or a master's mindset rather than that of a servant which would be humility. Humility is a servant's mindset, right? Christ said, I came not to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. So pride, though, on the other hand, is a master's mindset. I don't serve. You serve me. It's a focus on me. It's a focus on myself. It's a pursuit of self and self-recognition and self-exaltation, a desire to control and to use to use all things for self. Now, imagine how would a church <clears throat> function if every single person did that? Sometimes they do marriage counseling, and that's the big issue. Of both spouses are so focused on themselves and their own wants and their own desires and their own needs that they are unwilling and unable to see past that on to what their spouse wants or what their spouse needs. It's, uh, it's, and it's very discouraging. Uh, it's sad to see that. 
and sometimes it, it ends poorly when they're unable to. I mean, every time it will end poorly. Either marriage counseling or the marriage itself would end because they cannot see past themselves. Right? It's this self-worship. Now, there's a, a list there of manifestations of pride. Um, many of them are, t- again, taken, I think, taken from Stuart Scott's book. Um, but uh, there's a lot of manifestations of pride. These aren't all of the prideful manifestations that are found in Scripture. These are just some. There's a lot. Pride, you could say, is probably the root of all other kinds of evil. Um, it's the source of all the other kinds of sin because it's all about me. Right? But a few things there are kind of the top. Complaining. Complaining against or passing judgment on God or, or others. That's a big way to, to uh, hinder unity. Right? Uh, um, the idea of even uh, you know not serving, not being compassionate, being defensive and blame shifting when we are being confronted, and resisting authority. <clears throat> That's a big one. <clears throat> resisting authority. Oh, don't you don't tell me what to do. Um, right? These sort of ideas. This pride can be manifested in many different ways <clears throat> in which. It can, it's going to hinder the unity of the Spirit. <clears throat> because if everyone in the church is just thinking this way, talking about self, thinking about self, <clears throat> trying to be served <clears throat> in, excuse me, in multiple different ways, being jealous, being envious, well, why can't I have that gift? Or why can't I be like that? Or why can't I be a leader? <clears throat> if you ask, why can't I be a leader? That's probably one reason why you're not a leader. Because you want leader. You want the title. <clears throat> Being just, you can just envious of other things. Using other people to try to get your own way and your own desires. Being deceitful. These things are going to destroy the unity of the church. It's, gonna, it's, it's, it's going to split a church apart. And I've seen it happen. I've seen it happen. And it's never just one thing. It's always an underlying issue of pride <clears throat> manifested in, in some sort of secret sin, some sort of hidden sin that's going to <clears throat> it's going to be there in our hearts that we're, that we're unwilling to, to let go of, unwilling to confess, unwilling to, to let other people into our lives to see that. And then that's going to keep just manif- being manifested in multiple Different ways where we're just going to grow in anger and jealousy and bitterness and 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 jeal- uh, and, uh, and envy and and so many other things. <clears throat> That's how it's going to be manifested. Right. And even the last one there, the last manifestation of pride is not having close relationships that challenge your growth. That's a big one. The more relationships we have in the church, where we're kind of in each other's lives. Probably the better, more than less. Just so we're not trying to, to only have the ear of those who uh, who agree with us or like us, but others who might disagree with us on a few things or might be willing to say the hard things that we need to hear to confront us. <clears throat> How do we fight pride with humility? This is, again, the mindset of a servant, desire to serve, and so on. Uh, some other lists of things. There. 
Um, right, but pride is, is a big thing that would hinder and probably the chief thing that's going to hinder our unity uh, as, as, as a church. Well, <clears throat> next there on the list, not preferring others. Again, it's sort of a manifestation of pride, isn't it? All these others, you could say, well, this is one of the manifestations of pride. I know. Um, but we can't just say pride the whole time. Um, <clears throat> but not preferring others. Well, what does that look like? Again, not wanting or wanting our own way in the church, in, in our homes, in our workplaces, only wanting the things we <clears throat> desire, which means we're not submitting to other people around us. We're fighting to get what we want. Oh, I want, you know, thankfully here we don't have carpet, but I want the carpet color that color. I want the music this way. I want this Sunday school class we taught or whatever. I want these policies in place for our kids, or I want, I don't know, whatever. I want the pastor to preach less. (laughs) Um, Manipulating other people to try to get your own way. How might that look in, 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 in life? Manipulating other people to get your own way. Yeah, guilt tripping. Yeah, like, you know, maybe even at home. If you love me, then you would do this. Right. You don't want to do that. You're not trusting other people with even certain tasks because maybe they won't do something the way you like it. So I'll just do it. I'll just do the ministry. I'll just do these things. I'll just do the tasks. I'll just do that. I'll do this. Because you don't want other people to to maybe do something a, a way in which you don't want because you like certain things. <clears throat> you don't want to prefer others. You want others to prefer you. You want your own preferences, which, oh, this isn't wrong. I want this. This isn't sinful. I want this thing. But you're wanting that preference so much, you're unwilling to give up your preferences for the sake of others. Obviously, how do we get over that? How do we deal with that? How do we bear with one another? As Ephesians 4 says, how do we bear with one another? Again, we prefer others. We give up our own desires. What do you want? What would bless you? Again, we do this. Hopefully, we do this with our spouses if we're married, and hope with our kids. What would you like to do? What would serve you right now? What do you think is best? Again, their preferences are not matters of conscience. Their preferences. Where do you want to go to eat? <laughs> you know, honey. Uh, even as we practice this in our homes, this is going to be manifested in the church, right? Maybe somebody else has a different idea for, this, for the ministry that you're in. And it's, again, it's a preference issue. You can give up that preference and let them do that. It's not a big deal. If it's not a conscience issue uh, or, or a, you know, a strict command or so in Scripture. And even you know, one of the greatest ways we can do that and really think through this is Philippians 2. Philippians 2, specifically 2, uh, chapter, uh, uh, verses... Uh, uh, two and three, right? Or three and four. <clears throat> Which says what? Philippians 2, three and four. Yeah, yeah that's right. <clears throat> Not lurking out for your own personal interest, but also for the interest of others. Why? The next verse, for Christ. You know, he gives us an example of Christ. That if Christ came down and served us, 
and preferred us in that sense, who are we to think that we can't prefer others? If we think we shouldn't be giving other people uh, our preference or, de or deference to other people, that's a massive manifestation of pride in our lives, and we that's that's a big issue we need to work on. And we all are going to struggle with this in many different ways. We're all going to sin in this way to some degree on, on occasion. But this is an area where we can continue to grow as men, especially in, in our homes. And then have that, man, that being manifested in the church of not having certain personal preferences that we want to hold on to, such that that might hinder our growth with one another and might hinder the unity of the Spirit together. And this is particularly going to be true for leadership, those who are in leadership in the church. And this is going to be particularly true, I think, for us. But as leaders, we're not fighting amongst ourselves about goofy little preferences that we want. Those things don't matter. And by God's grace, this isn't really an issue that we need to address. The leaders are humble, humble guys. Right. Well, next there, we see negative, again, prejudgments against each other. Negative prejudgments against each other. That's another hindrance to the unity of the Spirit. You can not believe is things like not believing the best. Oh, did you hear about so-and-so? Did you hear about why they're not here? Did you hear about this? Have you, have you heard that? Uh, we can hear gossip. We can hear things like slander. We can hear... We can hear something or not hear something and make, make up something in our mind and think, well, that's why they said that. Or that's why they didn't say that. <clears throat> and just having an idea in our minds or in our hearts about a certain person that is just not, it's just not loving. It's not 1 Corinthians 13, 7 of believing all, or uh, 6 of believing all things. Right, believing all things, it's allowing your gospel and slander to just be taken root in your heart, <clears throat> to be to allow those things to be listened to. Uh, maybe you're the one who's gossiping about others, uh, which gossip is oh, it's well, it wasn't gossip because it was true. <laughs> what does gossip mean? It's not like we're saying something that's untrue, it's that we're saying something for the intent of tearing somebody down, right? It's the intent of putting them down and making them look bad or uh, putting them in a bad light so that you are put in a better light. Right. <clears throat> um, yeah, we, we can do this in many different ways. Why would they say that to me? How dare they say that to me? Why would so-and-so confront me that way or talk to me that way? Or why they, don't they know I'm, I'm having a hard time? They didn't even look at me today at church. I don't know. Maybe they were on their way to the nursery because their kids threw up or something. I mean, who knows? Um, <clears throat> I heard Jerry Rag one time, uh, Pastor Jerry Rag, who helps <clears throat> like disciples Eric on, on occasion, and um, his pastor in Florida. Um, and uh, he was saying that one time, like, this is when he was at Grace Community Church, um, one gentleman came up to him, um, like, I don't know, it was like 10 years. 10 years um, after he was, and this relationship kind of fell apart, the guy came up to him and was talking to him, um, talking to Jerry. And uh, Jerry's like, yeah, man, like, you know, we kind of like, seems like we fell out. Like, what happened? 
like I haven't seen like you just kind of like took off and I just never I haven't seen you he's like yeah well <clears throat> do um you remember this one time like at the church we're talking about this um and uh you know you uh <clears throat> you said you pray for me and talk to me and then like a slide next Sunday and you didn't even look at me Jerry's like what are you talking about I have no clue what you're talking about I have no idea what you're talking about uh <laughs> He's like, I don't know what, I, it was 10 years ago. I don't know what I was doing. I was probably focused on something else. I was probably in a counseling session right before that. And I just, was thinking of that, I didn't even see you. It's like, I wasn't ignoring you. Like, I love you. And I was trying to help you. And just those sort of things. That can be in our mind, but you didn't even look at me. Even recently, just sort of kind of a more personal example. Somebody uh, like told, uh, told Eric, yeah, one of the elders stared me down at like the grocery store one day. And so Eric asked all the elders, did you do that? I'm like, I have no idea what you're talking about. No. Like, I didn't do that. And so, you know, it was probably me they're talking about, and he didn't say who. It's probably me because when I'm in the grocery store, like, because Sarah can't go in the Smiths, so I go in the Smiths because there's, I don't know, mold or something in there. One of the aisles, and there's mold somewhere. She gets sick. And I'm on, you know, I'm on my phone listening to something and like trying to figure out what am I supposed to buy. And I don't know where things are in the store, even though I've been here 15 years. I have no idea where anything is. And so I'm like focused. I need to get there and get out and like get home, get where I'm going. So I don't like see anyone. I don't pay attention to what's going on. Like where's where are the apples? Or I don't know. <laughs> that, that's what I'm looking for. And uh, even <laughs> even like recently, I was doing that, and then like I saw uh, you know someone came up to me and was like, oh hey, like. You know, hi. I'm like, oh, hey. It's like, hey, Summer. Uh, and I'd like, I think I'd passed her like three times and didn't like see her. Uh, I'm like, hey, hey, I'm not mad. I like, I wasn't ignoring you. I promise. Uh, she's not the one who said something like an elder staring down. It's just, it was just kind of interesting. Like, why would you say that though? Why would somebody think that? They stared me down. We're, we're, we have these preconceived notions about each other. Like, how dare they do that? I know why they did that. We're judging motives and thoughts and intentions. And that's just, that's, that is the recipe for disaster in relationships in the church. Well, how do we, how do we get above that? Well, obviously we're humble, but we grow in love for you people. We believe the best. Oh, they probably, you know, some dude is at the grocery store without his wife. He's lost. He doesn't know what he's doing. Why would I, I'm not going to like think they're staring me down. He's in a daze. He probably just met with somebody for counseling uh, and is just exhausted and doesn't know what day it is. Or why would that mom not talk to me in church? Because she's a mom. She has kids. She's exhausted. You know, this is the third outfit that that little little baby Johnny has worn today. and, and And this one's now soiled again. I mean, whatever. This we got to believe the best and not be so easily offended. Uh, Jay Adams one time was preaching. He's been with the Lord now a couple of years, but he was preaching. And uh, some lady came up to him, kind of jokingly said, you stuck in my toes today, Pastor. He's like, well, it's probably because they were too big. <laughs> All, right. All right, Pastor. Uh, she said it kind of jokingly because, you know, like, that was, you know, that was really convicting. But he's like, hey, your toes are too big. All right, we just we, we need to grow in a love for each other, believe in the best, a love for the lost. 
a love for the hurting. People are just suffering. We have a love for them, a love for those who are in sin, a compassion for those who are just in sin. We remember what that's like. If we were in Christ, we remember what life was like when we were stuck in our sin. It's miserable. We didn't know any way out. We are just discouraged and depressed. I remember that. I remember like at a Christian school, asking for prayer, like, hey, I don't understand what's going on with me. I, I know something's not right. I didn't understand it was guilt. I didn't really know. It wasn't that great at a Christian school. <laughs> um, but like I was just guilty and weighed down with sin. I didn't know why I didn't understand. I felt miserable. We have compassion and love for people who are in sin. And obviously we have love and compassion for God's people, for the church. John 13, 34, 35, right? By this, uh, people know you're my disciples if you have love for one another. Are you going to ask for forgiveness quickly? We need to repent quickly uh, in each other's lives. We're, we're not judging others. We're, we're asking for forgiveness when we've sinned against them. Uh, if they sin against us, we're, we're forgiving them quickly. Like, yeah, of course, I'm going to forgive you. Why would I not forgive you? We talked about this on the Monday night in our counseling class, counseling and deception training. And really just under, looking at forgiveness is such a big deal, but because it reflects our understanding of the gospel, that if we're unwilling to forgive somebody else, then it really shows we don't think God's forgiveness of us is, was really that big of a deal. But it really is. It's a massive deal that God forgave us our sin. So who are we to withhold forgiveness from others? We want to actively look for grace, the grace of God in other people's lives. Look for that and recognize it. Tell them, hey, I see God's grace in this area of your life. I see growth in this area of your life. I see this. I'm thankful for this. I see this area of, of faithfulness in you. I see the fruit of the Spirit in this, in this area of you. I see, I see just this um, attribute of God being manifested in, uh, in you. Or really, it's just the fruit of the Spirit. Right? I see this being really grown in you. We, we can encourage people with those things. We want to we be genuine in our, in our encouragement and gentle in our admonishment. We need to admonish, but Paul says with all gentleness. We're not yelling at people when we're admonishing them, we're, nor are we whispering, but there's a gentleness about it most of the time. <clears throat> right? But there's, there's a genuine encouragement of others, of what we see in their life. And the more that we do that, the more that we see God's grace in their life, the less we're going to be thinking sinful about them and like, oh, now why did they do that? Right. Bunch of other verses there. You read you know an, another aspect there uh room rule five um is just to get a wrong view of church this can help create disunity wrong view of church again we think church is about me we think it's about me just showing up not serving uh, we think church is just uh for my enjoyment it's for my entertainment um it'd be, it would be interesting to see us you know, I don't, I don't, studies aren't the, aren't uh, always the end all, but it would be interesting to see a study of like these big mega churches that are huge and popular, but eventually dwindle away and kind of die. Of like, how would they talk about like the unity among like their leadership? How would they talk about the unity of the faith, the unity of the spirit among like each other? How would they talk about that? Is that being promoted? <clears throat> how how would they talk about these things? Um, you know, after the fact. Um, it is interesting if you look at a few of these big mega churches um, that have recently fallen in the past um, decade, 
um, this was not something that was discussed. It was actually the opposite. Uh, two, two pastors who disqualify themselves morally for issues of anger, being a fighter. When Paul says an elder should not be a brawler, a fighter. Um, these two gentlemen were. And uh, there was a, the opposite of unity among the leadership and among the elders. One of these guys, I won't say who, he had a picture on a dartboard of one of his elders and he would throw darts at it. Legitimately, that's what he would do. He was mad. This, this elder's getting in my way. So he would just throw darts at this guy. A picture of his face. Um, and other elders confronted him and he got mad and booted him out of there. Right? So there's no unity there. There's just anger and frustration. Anyway, I'm just thinking about these goofy churches, that, like these Easter services I saw like on YouTube or Twitter or something, um, where it's a concert, it's an entertainment show, it's, a, it's, it's whatever, because they think church is about them. There's not a desire to be unified in the things of the Spirit. It's a church is for my entertainment. It's like going to a play or to a movie. Again, how, but how are we to live in Christ's church? Again, we, we reflect on Christ's glory. We realize we're instruments in God's hand to accomplish His work in the church. We disciple and meet with other people. I mean, we see church is not about my entertainment and my comfort, but it's about me growing in Christ. It's about me being part of the Great Commission, about me um, discipling others, evangelizing, being held accountable, meeting regularly with guys, using my spiritual gifts without a desire to be, rec to be recognized. Many of us are going to serve in ways in which no one's going to applaud us, and no one's going to thank us, and no one's going to see it. And that's okay. God sees it. There's rewards in heaven for that. We, we're, already, we're supposed to use our spiritual gifts for the building up of the body of Christ, for the benefit of other people, not for the benefit of me. We're to use our spiritual gifts to serve each other and for the, equip, for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. Well, I, how can I be equipping people by setting up chairs? Because you're allowing a place for people to come to sit and to listen, to be, to be challenged, and to be equipped. And your humble attitude, your gracious attitude, that you do so week in and week out without <clears throat> wanting to be patted on the back and given a trophy is, is an example to other people. Right. <clears throat> Again, I've seen that modeled with you guys. I've seen that modeled in other churches I've been a part of. And, so it's just, that's just uh, been a blessing to see that. Um, <clears throat> this next one here, another kind of hindrance to unity is complacency in our own sanctification or our own growth in Christ. Complacency. What does that mean? What's complacency mean? Okay, yeah, good. Thinking I don't have to do anything more. I'm content. Like I don't have to do anything else. Not a big deal. I'm done. I've, had, I've done enough. Yeah, taking things for granted. Yeah, good. <clears throat> yeah, good. Not being purposeful. Yeah, all those things are, <clears throat> are spot on, right? And it's complacency, my sanctification. I've done enough. I've been sanctified enough. I'm not. There's no purpose behind it. Like, oh, whatever. No big deal. <clears throat> Excuse me. That's gonna hinder our own unity in the faith because we're not individually just repenting and dealing with our own sin, and so we're gonna let pride and other sins be rooted in our hearts and we're not going to see the need for repentance. 
<clears throat> and maybe it's by how's this, how, how, how might this be manifested? <clears throat> not repenting of sin <clears throat> or making excuses for sin. Ah, it's not that big of a deal. It's not that big of a deal. I don't really need to, I'm not sure I need to deal with that right now. It's not that grave a sin. Not regularly reading scripture and praying. Uh, I, sh I don't need to read scripture right now. I'm pretty busy. I can't really, I don't have time to pray right now. I'm really busy. <clears throat> or not doing family worship, however that might look. Maybe it's just family worship is just you and the Bible. It's fine. You and your wife or you and the kids <clears throat> doing something. <clears throat> Making subtle, small compromises that lead to secret sins. Again, maybe I can download this app. <clears throat> maybe I don't need to delete this app. My phone. Um, watch this thing. Listen to this thing. <clears throat> let my eyes linger. Make the subtle compromise at work with business practice or something. Making subtle, small compromises and not dealing with them from the heart and, and repenting of them can lead to just this complacency. Among many other things, right? <clears throat> and how do we deal with that? Will we, we cultivate a dependence upon the Lord in prayer and His Word, you could say? Dependence upon God's word that really believing with Christ when he says, apart from me, you can do nothing. What does that mean? Apart from me, you can do nothing. That's what that means. There's no secret there. <clears throat> Let's get to the nuances of what nothing means. It means nothing. Well, I can do this on my own, Jesus. Yeah, you can for a little bit, and then you're going to fall, and you're going to die. <laughs> uh, in ministry, the more and more that I'm in ministry, the more I realize the truth of that statement, apart from me, you can do nothing. I can't change people's lives. I can't do anything. I can barely, like, talk to myself or talk to my wife or my kids. Uh, I mean, I, I, I need help constantly. I need spiritual strength all the time. Um, <clears throat> you know, the more that you teach, in this past couple weeks, I've had the privilege of teaching a lot more than, than normal, which has been great. And just the more I realize, man, I am weak, I don't know what to say most of the time. <laughs> I, I really have to spend more time in prayer and study of Scripture right now. Um, in certain counseling situations, or some of them are just difficult. Um, it's very difficult situations, <clears throat> and I, I I don't know what to do. I can't I can't do anything. I just have to pray and read Scripture and and teach somebody Scripture <clears throat> and trust for the Lord to do His work. I can't change anything. I can't do that. And then, if, but if I think that's on me, if I think that my that their growth is is dependent upon me and my and the way I say things, then I'm placing myself really above God and above Scripture and those things. Saying, well, it's all dependent upon me, rather than cultivating the dependence upon God and His grace in my life and the lives of others. <clears throat> right. You look at places like 1 Corinthians 9, which you don't have to turn there, but Paul says, I buffet my body, I beat my body to bring it into submission to make it my slave. That's the idea of sanctification, right? And there's, there's, there's a hardship there. It's not fun, but as Paul says, we, just, we can't give up. We can't stop. That's our task is to, to, to really beat ourselves into sanctification, so to speak. Some, that's what someone's doing right now. They're beating their body into submission with those weights. <clears throat> um, 
right? That's uh, we have to understand that repentance is a way of life. It's it's normal. Repentance is um, according to the Westminster Confession of Faith or the Westminster Shorter Catechism is repentance unto life. I think it's like, I think it's in there. The definition. Um, repentance unto life is a saving grace whereby a sinner, out of a true sense of his sin and apprehension of his mercy of God in Christ, uh, does with grief and hatred of his sin, turn from it, meaning turn from sin, and unto God with full purpose of an endeavor after new obedience. Meaning, repentance is you hate your sin, you see it, you hate it, you run from it, and you run to Christ to obey him greater. That's repentance. And that's a way of life that is normal. How do we do that? Or how can we grow in these things? Some of it, again, just if you don't have a time of scheduled Bible reading and prayer, schedule it. Do something. Schedule a time to make sure you're in the Word and in prayer. Um, and I was listening to, um, um, I can't remember who recently, but just talking about this um, this idea of time management. Um, among believers and talking about time and prayer, there's like, look, it's not, it's not that you don't have time to pray or time to read or time to study. It's not that you don't have that. It's that you just are not making the time. You're not prioritizing it. You don't see it as a big deal. <clears throat> Roland. Uh, regarding repentance, Yeah, God commands everyone, everywhere to repent. Yeah, that's, and that's a call to salvation, isn't it? Yeah, it's a, God, it's a call to salvation that everyone will repent and be saved, right? <clears throat> but again, it's, it's with Bible reading and reading other books and time with uh, the Lord, it's a matter of making that time. Um, if you look at man of church history, uh, I mean, you see the priority they place upon reading the Bible and study. Um, it's just extended times in prayer. Well, yeah, well, they were pastors. Some of them. Some of them were lay guys. Um, some of them owned businesses. Some of them um, did whatever. They're, they were they were fathers, though, and they did stuff. And, they you know, their lives were a lot harder than ours. They had to go to the bathroom outside. You know, they had to, uh, they didn't have cars. They had to ride horses places or walk places. Uh, that took a lot more time to do, to do things. Uh, and just think about not having all of the great luxuries we have today. We have a car, heat, uh, our heated homes. I like in the sense of, uh, turning a knob and heat, heat shows up. Um, or electricity and having a light. You slip a switch and light. I mean, that's a big deal. Most of these godly men that I read in biographies didn't have any of that stuff. They didn't have running water, uh, and they didn't just make their wife do all this stuff. I mean, you read guys like biographies. I mean, these guys just—I I don't know how they ate. I don't know what. How do they survive? I—I I don't know. I and mean, they were just busy, just faithful, faithful guys and, and ladies too. But I, I mainly read biographies of men. Um, but uh, look at those guys and see how do they prioritize scripture? How do they prioritize reading the Bible? If this guy, I, I read a biography 
uh, a couple of years ago uh, of a man named Ernie Reisinger. Reisinger. Um, he was, he was, he got saved, uh, I believe in, uh, was it in the Navy? Joe, do you remember? He got saved, uh, I think it was, he was re in the Navy during World War II, um, or right after the Navy got out. Um, he was on a boat, um, so you know, I'm, I'm not sure if he saw combat, but, um, he got saved at some, um, kind of, you know, mid to late twenties or something. <clears throat> and, uh, um, eventually just became a, 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 he was a businessman. He owned like construction business. He owned some stuff. He also owned but like a bunch of cows and from like farms and stuff, um, which was interesting. Um, but, uh, <clears throat> he was a business guy and he, but he loved the Lord. He helped plant like multiple churches. He helped build church buildings. He helped, um, he helped, he's, he's the reason banner of truth, the publishing house, um, has a U.S. Um, presence and has like a, a, a uh, uh, an office in Carlisle, Pennsylvania, because this is where they, this guy had his church, and he would he would buy all these books from Banner Truth, like who, they, and they produce uh, Puritan works and other things, and he would buy these books by like the boatload, and then Banner was like, "What is going on at this church? Why is this small little town of Carlisle, Pennsylvania, getting all these shipment of books?" Hey, go over there and figure out what's going on. And so somebody met with him and and decided, hey, let's start a U.S. sort of side of Banner Truth and make it easier for people to get these resources and so on. This guy, he had a family, he had multiple businesses, and he was like a a, a leader of the church. <clears throat> and he read the Bible and prayed and read Puritans. Yeah, he gave away the books. Well, and he, he had a book table also yeah, yeah, yeah. that the church that he would sell. But he'd, he'd, give, he'd personally buy a lot of books and, and give them to people. Right? That's just one example of a guy. Well, yeah, he's not a, um, a full-time pastor, but he did a lot of this stuff and found the time for it. Right? <clears throat> and it was just a faithful guy. Eventually was a full-time pastor. He, he retired from um, his job and became a full-time pastor. <laughs> uh, anyway. So just... How can I grow in these things? Again, just scheduling time to read the Bible and pray. Um, I, I got to finish these notes because I don't know what Eric's doing next week. Uh, discontentment. Again, this is a hindrance to unity, to being discontent with other people. Again, they're not giving me happiness. They're not giving me what I want. I'm discontent with the church. Discontent. I'm discontent with the preaching. I'm discontent with how people are loving me and ministering to me because I'm not getting my way. I'm not getting the how I want. That's discontentment, and that's just that's sin. We're not being thankful. Right? Discontent with even my own personal finances, and so I'm upset. I'm jealous. I'm envious. But how can we mature? Can we read scripture? We read. We, we pray. We read about the hardships in scripture. We read about how did Paul respond in Philippians to being in jail? Right? I'm well content, he says. I'm well content. <laughs> in jail? All right. Second Corinthians 12, same thing, right? We dwell on the Lord's faithfulness, His loving kindness, His, His, His help for us, His, His love for us, right? I wanted to get in Matthew 6, there with contentment, but I don't have time. Um, yeah, read biographies of just yeah, guys like Ernie Reisinger, uh, you know, Edwards, Spurgeon, um, missionaries like 
John G. Patton, William Carey, those guys talk about discontentment and like hardship in ministry. Uh, I mean, some of these guys, I mean, you, you just think this is made up. <laughs> How can this be real? These guys, their lives are just incredible. Jealousy, again, jealousy in ministry. Why don't I have that gift? Why can't I be in this position? Why can't I have this, 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 and this, and this? Why does it have to be this way? Why do they seem to always have it together and I don't? Why do they seem to have these blessings and I don't? God, I work so hard and do these things for you, but I don't have such and such. I don't have the, that same relationship with that person that this person does. Why can't I have that? Why can't I have that same relationship with this pastor, one of the elders, or this guy, or that gal? Why can't my marriage and family look like that person? Bitterness and jealousy starts to grow in our hearts. Good. What do we do differently? We 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 repent. Obviously, we pray. We 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 are thankful and grateful. We remember, hey, we're but clay. We're clay pots, and God is using us how He wills. Who might to complain against God? Again, conflicts again, not hold, um, just not loving others. Holding bitterness in our hearts, not confronting others, not receiving correction from from others, and not believing the best, as we talked about. That, you know, we need to repent of not resolving conflict. Well, be humble, be teachable. If someone confronts you, thank them. Um, you, maybe how? Do, what if they sin against me? They're confronting me. That, okay, I mean, be humble about it. Don't. Well, they didn't. They didn't confront me the right way. I'm. I'm not gonna listen to them. No, you can't do that. Do you always, I mean, how do you respond when your spouse confronts you all the time? Do you, I mean, is that how you respond? Hopefully not. Whoever you think we're going to respond, <clears throat> uh, we, we shouldn't respond well to others, even if they don't come to me in, a, in, in the most humble, Christ-like way or whatever. Fear, can we're fear, making, uh, fear in ministry uh, in the sense of making mistakes in ministry or in the church? I'm not going to do things. I don't want to make a mistake. I don't want to. I don't want to look like an idiot. Um, that's okay. I look, I look like an idiot all the time. It's fine. Uh, just do it. I don't want to be awkward. Who talking about being awkward? Everyone's awkward. I'm awkward. You're awkward. We're all awkward. Who cares? Do something. <clears throat> just do that thing, and don't worry about being awkward. Worry about honoring the Lord. <clears throat> worry about fearing God. Don't fear man's approval of you. Man's opinion of you what people think of you because honestly no one thinks of you as, as much as you think of you no one thinks of you as much as you think of you oh what, uh, what are they thinking of me i don't know they're probably not thinking of you at all they're thinking of what they're going to eat right now no i guarantee you they're not thinking of you right now because uh they're thinking of themselves or they're thinking of this they're not thinking of you and if they are then they're sinning and i'm not going to worry about it I mean, unless I sinned, then I need to go deal with it. <clears throat> but I can't fear, I can't live by a fear of other people's opinions and thoughts of me. I need to have a fear of God. And nor do I need to live by fear <clears throat> of, uh, in the sense of I don't want to do something because I'm afraid of, uh, again, of not knowing the outcome, or I'm afraid of, of X, Y, Z. We, again, we're not people of fear. We are... Uh, where the love of Christ has cast out fear. I need to not live by fear, but live by faith in Christ, right? <clears throat> Again, how do we not fear others in that sense? Again, we love people. 
we you, how do we not fear others in one sense? We're communicating our needs to people, not fearing what they may think of me if I share my struggles with them. I do not fear what they may think of me if I'm confessing my sin to them. I do not fear what they may think of me if I'm saying, hey, I need help. Can you help me? I need help. Can you organize people to help me? Because I need help. I can't do this on my own. When somebody asks me for help in these things, I'm not thinking, man, you guys, you, you need help? How weak are you? It's never crossed my mind. Right? And we just, if we're in Christ, we, hopefully that's not how we think. <clears throat> but sometimes it's hard and to ask for help and just confess where we're struggling, but that's just where we need to be humble, right? <clears throat> ask people how we can serve them and how we can love them and obey the Lord regardless of our own emotions and regardless of our own feelings. And we just need to serve God and not fear other people. Yeah, we can go on and on, but hopefully these are some helpful <clears throat> things for us as we think about so as a church, as men, how can we grow in, in keeping and preserving the unity of the spirit that we have together as men, as a church, in, in, in a broader sense? Um, but as, again, as I mentioned earlier, as men, it starts with us, I think, because we, God has given us as the leaders in the church, leaders of our homes. Um, and uh, well, maybe you're not a, 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 a you know you're not a GC leader. So how does this count for you? I mean, any ministry that you're involved in, anything that you're doing, any relationship that you're involved with, these sort of things can can be manifested. Right? And so, just making sure that as just as the people of Christ, as the those whom God has called, that we are just seeking uh, to be humble, uh, loving of others. <clears throat> to grow and preserve the unity, not getting, not wanting our own way, being humble, um, preferring others. With that, we pray. We'll let you guys go. And Father, we thank you again for the church. We thank you again for your grace to save us and to sanctify us. Lord, help us to grow and to mature in how the ways in which we need to help us to to as men to. To strive hard toward keeping this unity that you've given to us. I do thank you for the unity of Cornerstone Church that it seems as though uh, many of us are, are like-minded and on the same page with so many things. Uh, what a joy and privilege that is that we don't have this infighting and struggles I know many other churches do. Father, may that be maintained. Help us to continue to maintain that and to keep that. Father, so that not just so that we are seen as great, but that so that the gospel may continue to go forth and that people may be saved and sanctified as a result of our love for one another. And Lord, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your kindness in Christ. We thank you for uh, that Pastor Eric made it back safely. <clears throat> Pray for his time in Florida that he would be a blessing to those men, to the church in Stewart, Florida. And we ask all this in your name. Amen.